I want to thank Susan and Keith and Dana, our musicians. Can y'all give them a big thank you? Wow. What would the singers do without those great players? Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, we're going to look at the, the whole chapter today. And uh, the, it's, a, it's about Elijah and what, she, what he's experiencing. Over in the book of James, uh, chapter 5, 17, it says that he's a man subject to like passions as we are. He's a man of subject to like passions as we are. This great prophet of God was someone just like you and me. He could experience the same things that we experience. He could have good days and bad days. He could, uh, he could live for the Lord. He could praise the Lord, focus on the Lord. You know, that's one thing I'll notice about the singers today, the songwriters rather, the songwriters today, all of them were, all of them was focusing on God when they wrote those songs. And, and that one, he's happy all the day long, right? And boy, that's a challenge to be happy all the day long. Well, you got to focus on God. You got to focus on the Lord. You got to keep him in your thoughts to live that out, right? We can't stay constantly uh, thinking about everything going on in the world and everything in our lives maybe our problems, to be happy, we've got to focus on the Lord. And so I, I just read, I, I have a habit of reading the words, and I want to challenge you uh, to do the same. It'll, it'll bless your heart. Uh, they, they did. They, they were good. First uh, Kings chapter 19, 1 to 21, a man of like, like passions. And Ahab told Jezebel, he told on him, he told all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, her gods now, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So he, she's going to kill him. She's, she's, she's getting 24 hours. you got 24 hours to live. And when he saw that, that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no I'm not better than my father's. Uh, he's not having a good day, right? He's not having a good day. Things aren't going the way he wants to, uh, them to go. And he, he requests that he, he could die. Verse 5. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. God knows what you need. Verse 5. And he looked, and behold... There was a cake beaten on the coals, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. 
And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days, forty nights, unto Horeb, the mount of God. That's a miracle that God gave him, that miracle food, and he's able to live and, and, and exist forty days and forty nights on that food. Verse 9, and it came, and he came thither unto a cave. And he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? Then he made his statement to God, and he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, even I, only am left. They seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand. You want to underline that word, stand. Go forth and stand upon the mount before me, uh, before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. That the Lord, what, But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And God was in that still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said what dost thou hear Elijah God's asked him that twice now and he said same answer I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars slain thy prophets with a sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away same statement the Lord said unto him, Go, return unto the way of the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou uh, comest, anoint Hazel to be king of Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nishai, shall be thou, thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Saphat, of Abel-Moholan, shall thou anoint to be prophet in, in your room instead of you. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took the yoke of oxen and slew them, boiled the flesh with the instruments of the oxen and oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. 
Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. A great chapter. Following that tremendous chapter, chapter 18, I'm trying to figure out if I did that. And uh, this chapter ends with the calling out of Elisha to be the prophet instead of Elijah. Now, if you notice there, Elisha, when he's called, he said, let me go back and, and kiss my father and mother, and then I'll, I'll go. And then Elijah said, what do I do with you? Done a, I don't even want anything to do with you. The call of God is, is a special treat for the person. The call of God, the call of God to serve him is a special treat. And when he said, I'll go back and kiss my father and mother, Elijah said, hey, just, just go on back. Of course, when he went back, when he went back, he uh, sacrificed the, all, the oxen, all 12, and he fed the people, which they were hungry at the time, and he went and followed Elijah. And there's a great story later on, we'll see that. Is there something doing that? Just... Just doing it. Okay. Now, Elijah is one of the great prophets of the Bible, and you need to know something about him. You need to learn about him. I don't know what that is. As I said, chapter 18, he, he killed the 400 false prophets with, with a sword. Can you imagine? This man under the power of God and what he accomplished. Y'all bring me a microphone. Maybe I'll use that. Now, Israel was challenged in chapter 18 by Elijah to choose who they're going to follow. Either follow the Lord or follow Baal, the false gods of the world. Every Christian is challenged from time to time, who are you going to follow? Who's going to be God? Who's going to be Lord of your life? And we need to answer that call with surrender and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the contest at Mount Carmel, uh, I went over that last week, so I'm going to just quickly go through it. He gave their gods and their prophets for their gods all day to conjure up some kind of spell, to bring fire down from heaven, to, to devour the sacrifice. And then in the late part of the day, Elijah prepared the altar, laid the wood down in order, put the stones around it like it it's supposed to be. He had to do it the right way. And then, on top of that, he dug a trench around it, and he told him, fill it up with the water. Let's make sure that it's a miracle. Not going to be an imitation. Imitation. It's going to be real. Of course, the fire of God came and fell on that altar and devoured up the altar and devoured the water. Everything. Dry ground. Now, we need the power of God in our life. Now, I'm not saying we need the power of God to, to call down actual fire from heaven and, and, and lick up the water around about us, but we need the power of God in our life. And if we don't seek God, we'll not have the power of God in our life. If we're just going to be about our stuff, we're not going to be filled with the power of God. Elijah gives us that example. Now, he's, he's got God all over him, if we could say it that way, in chapter 18. And then, chapter 19 starts up, and oh, oh Ahab, that baby that 
cried on his bed, kicking his feet because he, he can't get uh, 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 Naboth's vineyard. That's going to happen next week. He, he, that guy, that crybaby, he told on Elijah. I'll tell my wife on you what kind of man is, is Ahab. I'll tell my wife on you. And so all of this, all of this is for us to learn that, that, one, we need the power of God. And then, secondly, we don't always have the power of God on our life. Because we see in chapter 19, it says, And Elijah told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain the prophets with a sword. And Jezebel sent the messengers out and said, I'm giving you 24 hours. You're not going to be around long. Now, let me tell you about Ahab. He's as evil as any king that ever walked. But there's no one, no one, that could give him more power to do evil than his wife Jezebel. I think there's a lesson here for ladies to understand the power that a wife has. Positive or negative. You know, Peter talks about a wife uh, winning her husband through submission. Right? That's in the Bible. Winning and converting her husband through through submission, through through her her humility. We got Jezebel. I mean, we all. How many of you know anyone named Jezebel? Raise your hand. Anybody know anyone named Jezebel? Is there a Nero? Anyone know of a Nero? Dogs, hogs get named Jezebel. Cattle get named Jezebel. Nero, the dog. These people are extremely wicked because they allowed themselves to do every bad thing that they could do. It was in their mind and then in their heart. Now Jezebel, he, he threat, she threatens Elijah, gives him the 24 hours to live. And then it says in verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Wow. And came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Got him out of the way. Question for you. Why did Elijah run? He just killed 450 false prophets. Is it his own weakness or is it her strength? I'd say it's not her. I'd say the problem lies within him. Can we agree, maybe? Is he, is he scared he wasn't scared the day before. He, he just he he has no power. He has no strength. And I think he represents the average Christian that hasn't been looking up. The average Christian that has not been reading their Bible. The average Christian that has not been praying. The average Christian that when they come to church, they're standing around talking rather than seeking God. Elijah, he wasn't afraid to fall four hundred. 50 false prophets plus their 400 support crew because he had the power of God on him. The power of God on him. Now, in the Old Testament, by the, God, by, by the way, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer in the New Testament. Began at the, in the book of Acts, right? Indwelling began, and, and if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of his. And, and indwelling began in, in the book of Acts. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost would come upon you with power. Now, 
Now, of course, he didn't have a word from God. I would, I would say, you know, God told him what to do earlier, and I, God didn't give him a word. He didn't hear anything from God. But I wonder, was he, was he really seeking a word from God? When's the last time you sought a word from God for you, just for you? Shame on us to seek a word for God to empower us. Now, Jezebel was a king's daughter, and of course, maybe he didn't want to confront her because of, of, of that respect for her being a Zidonian princess or something. I don't know. But he's going to make a pronouncement later on when God gives him a word, and we'll see her outcome later. I think there was some respect for her because she was who she was. Now, I will add this. Elijah, let's say Elijah said, all right, let's have at it. I'll just kill you right here. Wasn't the plan of God. You know why it wasn't the plan of God? God had something worse prepared for her. You know, death, that seems bad, but it can be worse. Right? God will do all things in his time. All things in his time. Time. Now, why did he run? Why did he run? Why did he run? Elijah, well, we know it's the threat of Jezebel, of course. But this man comes from a mountaintop experience on Mount Carmel where he saw the power of God, the fire of God, and he stood bold and strong to the place now where he is in total despair. And she said, you got 24 hours to live. And he says, I'm ready to go. I'd like to die. Look at, at this verse 4. Let's read it. But he went out a day's journey into the wilderness. I don't know if that's the right move or not. He went into the wilderness. It's hot and it's dry. He went away from his problems rather than going at his problems. So he goes into the wilderness and he came and sat under a juniper tree. Man, these juniper trees, if you ever find one, don't sit under it. They don't have a good track record in the Bible. So he sits under the juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life. I'm no better than my father. Man, this guy, is, he's, he's totally a different guy. He's a man of like passions as we are. We see him. He requests to die. He said, I've, I've had enough. I don't want any more. Lord, take my life. If you look at the next verse, though, we might see some ingredient that might be a help for this, this man. On verse 5, it said, he, and he, As he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, the angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. How many need some sleep this morning? Raise your hand. Yeah, everything's better when you get your rest, isn't it? Everything's better when you have your food. Right? How many of you are on a diet now? Raise your hand. I'm not going to get around you and irritate you. I could just say anything and it might irritate you, right? That's the way it is. But first, verse, verse 5, 
he sleeps and God ministers to him. God ministered. An angel touched him. Verse 6, look at it. And he looked and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down. Again, man, this guy's recuperating. See, if you see him in chapter 18, he exerts this great, in, the power of God flows through him with power. And now he's totally exhausted. More so than probably any of us have experienced. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about the angels. The Bible talks about angels in the New Testament. Did you know that? They are for they're ministering spirits according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. Ministering spirits. And then it says in chapter 13 of Hebrews, verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. God will minister to you. And... In this case, it was an actual angel. In the book of Hebrews, it doesn't tell us that it will be an angel. It said it could be an angel. I'm just saying, God can minister to you. Even if you're so down and out and no one likes you so bad, God will bring some angel to minister to you. You're never going to be without hope. But you know what? He's also saying when people minister to someone when they're in great need, you're like an angel. How many of us are angel-like? How many of, of us are angel-like? God challenges us to be angel-like in the sense that we minister to people. I'm not talking about just physical need. I'm talking about emotional. I'm talking about spiritual needs. We need to be like the angel. Now, the, 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 the angel gave him a miracle food. Now, this is not the first miracle food we see. Uh, we see it on TV all the time, don't we, about miracle foods. Remember, they're, they're, you've seen it. They're selling that uh, vegetables and fruits in a pill now, right? It's a miracle pill. You know, they, that don't appeal to me at all. I said, I'd rather eat all the food than take it in a pill. You say, preacher, you can't eat all that food. You don't know me very well. Can you remember the other miracle food in the Bible? Someone remember the other miracle food in the Bible? The manna, right? The manna. God, now these two foods are, are, are symbolic of, of God ministering to us and giving to us when we're in need. Listen, if you'll follow Christ, if you'll look to Christ, He will supply your every need. And we want to limit that to physical healing and water and food. But it's much more than that. There's greater needs in our physical hunger and, and, and for water, right? It's our soul. And God says he will, he will restore us. He ate. He was refreshed. And then the angel came a second time and, and prepared him for a 40-day journey. Now... Elijah, his mountaintop experience. He sends him to Horeb, the Mount of God. This is where Moses went. Uh, Elijah goes there. Can, can y'all remember on Mount Hermon, or, or they call it Tabor sometime, Tabor, Mount Hermon? 
Can you remember a couple prophets meeting Jesus up on that mountain? Right? You got Moses and Elijah on mountaintop experiences in the Old Testament, and then you've got a meeting Jesus on a mountaintop experience in the New Testament. Hey, listen, uh, these two prophets, it, there is no question that they are, these are the two prophets that will come to this earth during tribulation, and they will preach to the world by television, we believe. Satellite streaming probably are better, maybe through... Elon Musk satellites, I don't know. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, before all this technology is outdated. But they're going to speak in the tribulation, and then they're going to be martyred. They're going to be killed. They're going to kill them after the great prophet. They're going to hate what they have to say. And then the Holy Spirit's going to raise them from the dead, and they'll ascend into heaven. That's in the three-and-a-half-year point of the tribulation. A lot of three and a half year things going on. Remember there's a drought for three and a half years. And we don't know it's three and a half years till we read the book of James. You gotta tie the Bible together to get all the information, right? You gotta rightly divide it and put it together. But after this, Elijah goes to a cave. Look at verse ten. Verse ten. It says right here, follow me. And he said, I, it's verse 9, and he came hither unto a cave, verse 9. And he lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, Great revelation God gave him. A great revelation God. He's in this cave, he's abiding there. He's wanting to stick, he's lodging in a cave. Lodging in a cave. You ever lived in a cave? I'm not talking about a physical one. You ever lived in a spiritual cave? An emotional cave, dark, wet, no, not a good place to be. A great revelation from God comes. What's God, what does God say to him? What's God say to him? What? What are you doing here? You ever use that phrase? We use it all the time, don't we? Isn't it amazing how that phrase just, it's, it's used... Uh, Ever since we, we got it translated into English, we're still, what are you doing here? Remember when Adam was in the garden? Remember what God said to him? What are you doing here? Different phrase, same statement. What are you doing here? Elijah. He's a man of like passions. I think we can learn something about our walk with God and our need for spiritual strength. And he had it all the day before, our time before, not maybe the day before. But he totally loses it when he goes through this, this period. He wants to die. And God says, what are you doing in a cave? What is it about the human nature? When we get down, when we get discouraged, we want to crawl in a cave and hide. Anybody? Do you realize that's the worst thing you could do? Do you realize how much we need sunlight? You know, they do surveys to find out who are the happy people in the world, and the happy people in the world are those that go to church at New Salem. Those that get plenty of sunshine. 
They, 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 they say they can prove that. We need sunlight. He's in a cave. What are you doing here? God, it's hard. I'm the only one left. Uh, and they're after me. I stood up for you and I did my best. But now I'm no better than anybody else. And then God shows him on this mountain. He shows him a strong wind. Ripped the top of the mountain off. And then, then he sees an earthquake that, that split it. And then a fire. God's given us a word here. God's not in the wind, he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the fire. We want to see God do big things, don't we? But when you are in need of spiritual strength, it's not big things. You need to be spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And God spoke to him in a still, small voice, an inner voice. In verse 13, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mouth. I don't know about you, but when I had my eyes, it's because, oh, Lord, why didn't I think of this before? What page have I been on? I've been out of touch. And he gives us this example of our need for the power of God in our life. A word from God, verse 15, what does God tell him? Go finish your work. Go do your work. Don't Go do your work. So here, here it is. He did his work filled with the power of God. Elijah is threatened by Jezebel. He runs into a dry wilderness and he sulks. And then he ends up in a cave. And God says, what are you doing here? By the way, he does that again. Look at verse 13. Uh, verse 13 he said, And it, it was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here? What are you doing here, Elijah? The next time you're depressed, the next time you're discouraged, the next time you feel like it's the end of it all for you and you're, you're on the losing side, the next time you think it's just, just can you... Read the Bible, this verse, and, and just use this word. What am I doing here? What am I doing? Well, he was doing nothing but hiding. And the Lord said, go to work. Go back to work. Look at verse 15. And it says, And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest among Hazel, the king uh, over Israel, he said, anoint Hazel, king over Israel, and he anoint Jude, Jehu, and then anoint Elijah. He said, go back to work. Go back to work. We as Christians, sometimes we get discouraged. We want to find us a cave somewhere and hide. We don't want to go to church. We don't feel like we ought to go to church. We just want to stay home. We want to avoid everything and everybody. God didn't say, okay, I understand, stay in your cave. God didn't say that. He took him on the mountain. He saw this three events. God wasn't in, telling Elijah that God's not in all that big stuff. You know, and I, as I look back to when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, 
and he just was doing the work. He prayed and called down fire from heaven. I think God would add to this. It's not in that stuff, Elijah. It's not in me doing those. Elijah, it's in me and you having a relationship, having fellowship, a still, small voice, and go to work. Go to work. He said, besides that, I, you're not the only one. I got 7,000 prophets that have not bowed, or people at least, that have not bowed a knee. And you know what? Really, I don't really know what God is doing here in Elijah's life, but he's bringing to the conclusion of his ministry. He passes the mantle on to Elisha in, in verse 18 and 19. And Elisha's going to be the great prophet of God from here on. Elijah's got a couple more chapters. You know, it's kind of scary to think that if we have the feeling of the Holy Spirit, F-I-L-L-I-N-G, and then another challenge comes and we, we run from that challenge, we sink, it's, it's, it's kind of scary to think that we may end our usefulness in the work of God and he might replace us. Just something to think about. Something to think about. So let, let's just close with this today. You've seen God do works in your life. You've been close to God. You've had the Spirit of God touch you and you've sensed His presence and you've seen Him do things in your life. It's not always going to be that way. Not always going to be that way. And when it's not that way, you need to walk by faith. Oh, Elijah teaches us that he is a man of like passions like we are. But we don't need to run hide in a cave. Get out of that cave you're in. Get out of that. Go up to the mountain. Don't look for fire. Don't look for an earthquake. Don't look for a wind. Listen for a still, small voice. That's what encouraged Elijah. Let's bow our heads. From a mountain to a cave, God will minister to you if you let him. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your word and what it teaches us. I pray, Lord, that we've heard something from you today will enable us to walk in the power of God and to live the Christian life. I pray, Lord, if there's one here today that does not know Jesus, that today they would give their heart to him and be saved. I pray for us that have been saved. Lord, if we're in a cave today, I pray we come out of that cave, come out of retreat, come out of hiding, and let you speak to us and use us again. Put us to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and sing.